Hello, and welcome to another episode of How Are You Holding Up, a mental health podcast by the depressed for the depressed. My name is Lindsay. And I'm Chris. And uh, the first thing I want to ask you, Chris, is how are you holding up? I feel lonely. (laughs) (laughs) I am in a room by myself. You are in your cabin in the woods. <laughs> yeah, we are and trying a new program that Chris yes. found, which is excellent, but it also means that we don't get to see each other's faces. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's uh it is it is going to be uh, hopefully the audio uh comes out as good as I'm hoping. We will we will of course be uh experimenting with this method and seeing if uh yes. if you guys think we sound better, then hell yeah, we'll keep doing it. If you don't think we sound better, then we'll have to find something else. Yeah, if this is a a huge difference and it's really unlistenable, please let us know. Mm-hmm. It might hurt our feelings, but we'll get over it. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> otherwise, I am doing pretty well. Uh, my uh, I've been doing my 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 mental health like mood app, the Mood Path app, and this is the mm-hmm. first time that it has come back to me saying no indication of a depressive episode. Oh my gosh! How long have you been doing it for? I've been doing this, uh, the app, it's been a few months. So, yeah, <laughs> it's you... Been, yeah, it's been, let's see. Uh, <laughs> the results uh, go all the way back to at least, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, October of last year. Oh, my gosh. So it really has a year so, of data on you. It literally has a year of data on me. Um and uh, of the of that year of data, it's been everywhere from like indication of moderate, mild, severe, to this is the first one. It says no indication for symptoms of depression. Congratulations, answer, Chris! That's awesome. I know. I'm I'm That's pretty amazing. stoked. Uh, it's like no indication of sim- for symptoms of depression. Your answers are within the normal ranges of the population. I find that hilarious. <laughs> Your normal population, Chris. <laughs> I am one of the several billion people. Hooray for me. <laughs> At some point, it's going to become, uh, I think, rare to not be depressed. I feel in like. In this society. Like That's my thought. Yeah, I think we're already there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Speaking of, Lindsay, how are you holding yes. up? You know, I have been doing pretty darn well. Um I'm still up in the cabin in the woods and it's, it it does get a little bit lonely from time to time. And I'm starting to hit that emotional wall of, okay, Lindsay, you really do need to start going out and meeting your neighbors and trying to start taking some yoga classes or something like you said you were going to do. And then the other part of me is like, but I don't want to go outside. <laughs> um, and that's something I've always struggled with. So a little bit of agoraphobia, a little bit of, I don't, I don't really even know what that is, but yeah. So that's something I'm kind of a, it's a challenge for me right now. And, but a mood wise, I'm very happy and I feel very lucky. And so I think that's a cool thing for me to feel because so often when I was feeling good, I was afraid that it was going to go away. And so then I had an anxiety about, well, okay, mm-hmm. I'm happy now, but when is yeah, it going to go away? Yeah. So right now I'm I just enjoying it. I was always more than capable of just uh, counting down the seconds until my next depressive downturn. Let's let's not enjoy what we've exactly. got right now. Let's let's just dread the coming months. <laughs> 
Exactly. And it's interesting for me with this podcast because I don't I have not mm-hmm. been doing a mood tracker, but being able to go back and listen to times where I was depressed and really hear how my verbiage changes and how my thinking and my oh, patterns yeah. change. Absolutely. I, I, I love uh yeah. completely just going back and hearing myself barely able to like cohesively put thoughts together while we're talking. And I could absolutely hear moments where yeah. I had completely checked out and I was just like disassociating and it's 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 rough. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's absolutely yeah. rough. Yeah. And I think one of the things that happens when you are vulnerable with your depression and you're in a space where you're you don't have a ton of emotional energy is you start surrounding yourself with people who might not be totally healthy. And that's what our episode is on today is on um toxic friendships yes and that's something that i found myself involved in a lot yes i believe we've both uh had our experiences with people that uh i guess you could absolutely just say are toxic they may not seem it at the time but there may very well come a turning point where you finally kind of wake up and go oh this person is leeching any good from my mind i should not yeah and i think something that i had to realize about myself was um because i was in toxic relationships i had toxic friendships and i and i realized i am also a toxic person and that's probably a topic we should hit on one time is when you realize that you are toxic um and so when you start going to therapy and when you start working on yourself uh however that may be with meditation or just a a mentorship um Mm -hmm. and you start trying to change those things i remember i have this friend who also suffered from depression and anxiety and he told me he's like Lindsay, i've been doing therapy for a few years now and a lot of what i thought were my friends left when i started to get better and they actually were getting angry with me and they would snap at me when I started doing more healthy, um, had healthier interactions or healthier responses to things for them, it was like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Like what's going on with you? And they would put him down. Yeah. And I actually started noticing that. It is amazing when you, when you take the time and you see like the habits of you and the people around you and the moment that you start making changes for yourself, the people who do actively sit there and judge you or blame you for changing or aren't happy with your decisions that you're making, if they are genuinely healthy situations that you are putting yourself into, then if they have a problem with it, it's definitely on them. Most assuredly. Yeah, and and, and I don't want to put blame, first and foremost, I don't want to put blame on any, any of us who have been in toxic relationships or who have been toxic people because oftentimes when you are toxic you've Mm -hmm. learned it from a parent or a sibling and that's something that you were raised in and so um the best you can do is to realize it and then try to change it and so i think a lot of people who have these bad coping mechanisms or or toxic ways of how they show their um, how they bond with people it's they don't know better they were taught that and so anything else is, isn't they, – they don't even know that they're being toxic. Most people, I think, who also are abusive, it's the same thing. They don't understand that that's what they're doing. So um, having just like a little bit of empathy out there for all of us and those who have <laughs> been toxic, it's, it's unfortunate that that's what is usually the case. So – but 
I want to talk about the first indicator, which is, I think, walking on eggshells, that feeling where you have to be very careful about what you say yes. or what you do. And if you're feeling that way, you're probably in a toxic friendship. <laughs> it's, it's a little Jeff Foxworthy bit. You might be in a toxic relationship. if, uh, <laughs> But it's it's absolutely true. The idea of walking on eggshells is it's I mean, it's it's not necessarily exclusive to toxic relationships. It can also be just people who are who, who tend to kind of fly off the handle sometimes like they are easily excitable or people who have horribly you know people who are very anxious like there's a certain propensity for them to be treated with kid gloves yeah and i think that can become toxic and that doesn't that's not the same as like being an abusive friendship or whatever but it can start absolutely it wears down on you and for those of you who are not native english speakers um, walking on eggshells means you 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 have to be so careful about everything you say or mm-hmm. how you react. And um, I think that's a good way of explaining it. How would you explain it, Chris? Yeah, I would honestly, I would one hundred percent agree. It's it's the it is the visual representation of when you walk on eggshells. You're trying so desperately not to crack any of them, so you yes. be extra careful in everything you say or do. It is simultaneously terrifying. And borderline just anxiety inducing. Like if you are if you are having to walk on eggshells for people, you know that fear of like, well, what if this thing I say upsets them? Or what if this thing yeah. I do makes them angry? Yeah. It's, and I think it can get conv- yeah. go ahead. No, I was gonna say it's it's uh it can be terrifying if yeah, you are and in I that think position. It can be confusing too because some of us, when you're depressed or, and you already have anxiety, you already are blaming yourself for everything. So mm-hmm. you're already like, well, maybe I do. Maybe I am um, too harsh with how I say things. Or maybe I am, you know, so you're already, um, you you wouldn't see it. You wouldn't see that you're already doing that. Um, and it, it's possible that you're doing that with people who you don't need to be. Some people don't need you to look at eggshells and you're doing it anyway. So it's hard to be able to differentiate between this person is eliciting this response from me mm-hmm. versus this is coming from me because of my past trauma or because of my mental health. There is a certain uh, medical, uh, a mental condition. It's uh, called borderline personality disorder. Uh, it is one that has a sort of stigma on it, but it has one. It is specifically known for that kind of walking on eggshells behavior in the people around them. Because with mm. borderline, a lot of the things that are, they're very triggering. They're very much in that state of fight or flight a lot of the time. And they mm. do tend to jump to a lot of very fast, emotionally driven conclusions uh, based on what is going on around them. I've had several yeah. friends in my life who've been borderline. And I've, you know, some of those friends... I have had to cut out of my life. It just was necessary for my ability to take care of myself. Mental yeah. health. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. And that's the other thing that sometimes, I mean, you have to just know yourself, I think, in that, you know, you have to be able to tell who is it in your life that's draining you and whatnot, but not everybody has to be cut out completely. Like, mm-hmm. that's not something that, you know what I mean? Like you said that not everybody who had borderline, yeah. you, you cut out. It was, you had to choose certain. Yeah. You got to so, choose your battles. 
Yeah. And I think walking on eggshells for me often looked like this. It was, you know, someone would um, ask me a question about, well, what do you think of my relationship or blah, blah, blah. And then I had to be so very careful about how I would word something. And even still, usually I would say the wrong thing or I would be, this kind of bleeds into bad boundaries, but um, I would be afraid to say no. Yes. Um, because I'd be afraid that they would get mad at me for holding up my boundary of, you know what? No, I, I can't have you over today or whatever. And it was like, really? What are you doing? What do you mean you can't have me over? Mm-hmm. I know you're not doing anything. You never do anything, Lindsay. You always stay home. Like, come on, let's be real. You know? And then like they put you down a little. Like, cool. <laughs> yeah. Um. No, that's absolutely <laughs> – it, it does kind of come with that territory of like uh, – no, uh, I'm I'm the most important person in your life. What are you doing? Who is this other person? Yeah. There's and the problem is when you have when you have depression, like that can be a relief to have somebody in your life who is so big mm-hmm. and so pushy that you don't have to make your own decisions. I mean, that's something that I think a lot of us struggle with. You know, yeah, it's being drawn to people who are just really pushy. Yeah, it's absolutely true. I think there's um, there's there's something about like that kind of person that just draws you in by far because there's, there's yeah it's addictive yeah it's 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 there's an addiction to that kind of excitement that kind of you know mm-hmm. it, it this is a person with whom life never really gets boring and let's be honest when you're depressed and everything is gray having somebody that elicits intense emotions in you even if it's a painful one usually there's a sort of pleasure that comes from making up with that person yes so in a way it's like at least you're feeling something Mm -hmm. you are wanted you are you know driven to to spend time with this person it's whatever it could be but you do hopefully find your way and you discover that there is a better path so you have to recognize when a relationship is becoming toxic. Think, yeah. Friendship. For, especially. Friendship specifically for this one. And then I think the next one you were saying mm-hmm. um, was uh, where they give you life or death situation extremes. Yes. There's, oh man, uh, there were so many occasions <laughs> oh, no. where it would just be like, you would be told that you need to do something or you need to help them with something. They will, they'll die if you don't help or, they threaten to hurt themselves. Yeah, I've known people who have actually hurt themselves. Um, that I know we usually hear that more in romantic relationships. I think yes, but it can happen in friendships just as easily. Mm-hmm. The and to be fair, people who threaten to hurt themselves are people who absolutely need help. That's there's nothing more to it. If they're threatening to hurt yes. themselves, there's a very good chance that they are actually going to follow through with it. What do you think would be the right resp- – if someone threatens to hurt themselves, how do you help someone like that? Because at that point, you take a step back and you're like, wow, this person is like seriously needs some mental help. Mm-hmm. Do you call someone? Do you – is there – you know what I mean? Like what do you do? Who do you – what's a resource? I mean ultimately in, in my experience, uh, <laughs> when I've had to call uh, someone – it's simultaneously, if they're actually actively threatening to hurt themselves at that point, and they're actively threatening to kill themselves, and they have a plan, and they're following through with it, you call the police. You you call 911. That is, yeah. that is a life-threatening emergency. They are threatening themselves and others. And that can lead to a feeling of guilt, a feeling of remorse, because if the police catch up with that person, hopefully they do. 
but that person will then be taken for a psychiatric evaluation. They will be taken to a hospital. They will be held for 72 hours, most likely. And this is all based on my knowledge of at least California law in terms of this situation. But you will feel a certain amount of remorse that you've put them in this situation. And if anything, they will try to put that on you. That you called the cops on them. You told, yeah, you, that you, oh, if this yeah. is your fault. It's not. Yeah. It's not, it's not there. It's not your fault. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, that's the manipulation coming in. Yes. And the emotional you know. manipulation is a huge aspect that you brought up. Uh, there yeah. is, there is nothing more telling that you are in a toxic friendship than them emotionally manipulating you or really manipulating you in any way. Yeah. And I think some of the lesser, I don't know, signs of being in a toxic friendship is stuff like where you also become manipulative in terms of how much information you give them. So if you feel like, wow, I can't tell them that I hung out with this friend tonight Mm -hmm. because they're going to be upset with me. That's weird. (laughs) You know, if you just leave it out in conversation because you don't think of it, fine. But if you are actively like, I can't tell them this because they'll get mad at me. Mm-hmm. That's probably a good sign that you're not in a good friendship. Um, and they have made, they have manipulated your reality of being like, this is not, you don't feel safe. You've got to feel safe with your friends. You've got to feel uplifted with your friends. And when you're depressed, it's hard to feel like you deserve those things. And sometimes you don't even feel those things. Yeah. But yeah, that whole, the whole addiction of being with people or surrounding yourself with people who hurt you or demand some weird emotional stuff from you. That's, that's something that took me years to get out of. Yeah. And, and it's hard when you kind of get drawn by those kind of people, like, especially they're narcissists are kind of notorious for being able to pull people in and buy their story of buy their hype. Yeah. And so you find yourself kind of like, buying into the hype and this person is amazing and blah 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 i once had to cut out a friend because we both got drunk one night and that friend like just was staring at me and i was feeling really weird and i was like hey what's (laughs) going on and he just like turned to me and just said what do you have that i don't and I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to become a skin suit soon. Okay, I'm having a great time. Whoa. Yeah. They were having a That's really nice. rough period in their life. I, at the other hand, had like a job and I was in a relationship and things were going pretty good for me. But on their end, it, it was some weird unfairness. And I'm just like, I was just like, what the hell is this? So I backed away and I was legitimately freaked out and I did not have contact with that person for basically ever. (laughs) Were there other things that kind of led up to that? There were other things. Like, I mean, they did have a certain lifestyle that was very much driven by drugs and alcohol. And those are things that if you don't actively do at the extent that they do where they're abusing it, they can kind of, they, they want they it, it could be occasionally driven by their desire to make you feel bad for them and that yeah. is why they want to keep your friendship they want to hold you close 
because you are this one anchor and that mm. in and of itself is emotionally manipulative. Yeah. So you kind of you got to you got to pay attention when it's a situation like that again, somebody who needs help. But it is not your responsibility to care for them and it's not your responsibility to white knight for them. That's right. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, pull for me to help mm -hmm. people and get involved. I think um, I learned codependency early on. Mm -hmm. And that's really just, just, it looks like, you know, taking on other people's problems yeah. and uh, emotionally. And so I would, you know, and, and I would be drawn to these people who are just so unable to give to me mm -hmm. in the way that I needed. Um, and they would take and they would take yeah. and I would let them. So I, I had bad boundaries. You know, I had this one friendship that I'm still in mourning over. I knew her for mm -hmm. a very long time. And it was one of those friendships where she would break up with me as a friend when she would get a boyfriend. She would tell me, I can't be your friend because you're whatever. And it would be off and on where we would, you know, we'd become friends again. Starting, it started back in high school. So that sounds immature, but you know, you get kind of sucked into it and it was so painful and it was so hard for me to make close female friendships. And I was always drawn back to her because I, I looked up to her. She was pretty amazing in a lot of ways, incredibly bright, mm -hmm. um, really driven, fantastic writer. And then it came to me living with her when I was an adult because it'd been she'd apologize. She'd come back around. She'd apologize. She said, "You know, I, I'm way too old to be ending friendships. You know, that was so toxic of me. I'm so sorry." And this is where it gets tricky when someone can call out the fact that they are were not healthy and apologize. Um, and so, of course, I let her back in my life, and we bonded really fast again. And it was probably one of those things where it's a codependent relationship where one's the narcissist and one is yep. the people pleaser, and I am a people pleaser. And it would be fine, fine, fine. And then she would just say little horrible biting things. And what ended up kind of breaking it all apart for me was I found out that she would hang out with my other close friend. And the whole time she would just be talking badly about how I was uh, – how like all the guys used to like me in high school and I would use them to get food. Like the weirdest smallest things and I guess she felt like I was really beautiful and really thin and she had this huge rageful yeah. jealousy towards me that she had never told me I had known this person for almost 10 years at this point and I had never been told the things that she was venting about me to other people and it was so hurtful because I had been there for her through some really rough stuff like parents yeah. passing I mean really really heavy stuff and I had opened up to her about the abuse that I had dealt with. And she later told me, you know, I never took your abuse uh, seriously because my situation was so much worse than yours. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. And the hard thing is, is I still have friends who are friends with her. Yeah. And she has reached out to me most recently and was like, you know, I'd, I'd like to get back in contact with you. I miss you. Can we talk? And I really don't. And this is the first time where I was like, you know, I just... I didn't really reply and that makes me feel really guilty because I'm a people pleaser. But at the end of the day, I, I don't think that anyone can change that drastically. I've heard the same story before. Enough things have happened where I just can't. And this is the other thing is I can't trust mm -hmm. her again. If you feel like you can trust someone again and you really, truly see that there's a change in their life, then maybe it's worth it. Sure. But, but it's, I mean, that's the heart. Nobody can tell you exactly what to do, but. Actually, 
in general. Actions speak louder (laughs) than words. First off, and in experiencing the number of times that those words were empty, this is one of the cool things that I feel narcissists in particular don't get is that apologies don't make things better. They can be a start. They can be an acknowledgement that you have an understanding that you've done something wrong and you would like to make amends. But that doesn't mean the person you're apologizing to has to accept it. And that doesn't mean that the person you're apologizing to has to listen to you or is you're not entitled just because you apologized. So. Right. I, I think that's a big that's a big lesson that it was hard to yeah. learn and no one teaches you when you're young that apologies are important. But that's not yeah. that's the first step, exactly. like you said. So, yeah. the uh, there's one yeah. last thing that uh, we, uh, in terms of this toxic relationship thing, and this goes for all relationships, but this is one of the worst things in particular to deal with. And if you do find yourself being a victim of it, it is for certain. <laughs> pretty good evidence that you are in a toxic relationship and that is gaslighting Ooh, yeah it is um one of the worst things to experience in terms of coming from someone that you love or trust or have been friends with for a long time is when they suddenly or maybe not so suddenly you come to the realization that uh anytime something is going wrong they will basically say it's your fault and you're crazy for thinking otherwise. Yeah. A good indicator that you're being gaslit is that you start feeling like you're crazy. Mm-hmm. Like you will remember, let's say you remember a fight mm-hmm. really well and yep. you remember them saying something totally heinous to you and you're trying to make up with them and you bring it up and they're like, I didn't say that. When did I say that? How exactly did I say that? And you're like, well, no, you said, that. no, I don't, I don't remember saying that. You know, I don't need to talk about this right now. That's being gaslit. Yeah. And you start feeling like, well, they're saying that they didn't say that. And I don't have a very good memory. So because I have depression, <laughs> so maybe I, maybe they didn't say that. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they, maybe I made that up in my mind. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's a good chance that the people I talked to about this and everybody that I had discussed it with, maybe they're all crazy too, because they remember it. Yeah. Um, it's hard when you're raised with somebody who uh, gaslights you. It becomes – you kind of lose your su- sense of self. And so when you're with people who are very strong and abusive, they uh, – gaslighting is basically hand-in-hand, hand, I think, with everyone who's mm-hmm. emotionally abusive. That's just, you know, the yeah. blatant lying. They deny mm-hmm. um, and they use what you love against you. That's a big one is when you start finding things uh, – like a hobby used against yeah. you, held against you. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, it's hard, you know, it's funny when you go through an abusive relationship so much at the time, I blank it out yeah. afterwards. After I've healed from it, I've kind of uh disassociated from some of that stuff, so it's hard for me to remember moments where that happened. What about you, Chris? I mean, for me specifically, there was a reason why I basically stopped playing video games for years was just because uh, it was it was a whole lot of guilt being thrown my way and a lot of uh, things like, you said you'd promise you'd be spend time with me tonight. I was like, I did? Okay, I thought I was going to play 
games tonight and have some me time. Okay, I guess I guess I did say that. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> and when you're apologizing for wanting to spend your free time how you'd like, it's one thing if you if you agreed to something and you've planned this out and you've, you know, yeah. you know, made a note in your calendar or something and that's that's one thing. But if you're being if you're you're getting your hobby blamed or your free time is being taken away and manipulated like that to me has been like uh, several times yeah let's say like you know your friend uh, or, or you're like hey yeah i went shopping it was really fun oh really you went shopping i thought you said you didn't like you know like they start to kind of try to break you down and that's the other thing is they start to you start mm -hmm. losing yourself in this relationship because they start taking away they start molding it the way they want to see it you know they yeah. they deny things they make you feel bad for things that you love yeah. if they don't like it too um and there's a lot of words there's a lot of no 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 that you know um no you, you we're awesome we're a great friendship you're my best friend you're the number one and then their action mm -hmm. is they never invite you to things they put you down oh, yeah. to other people you That's know that kind of stuff so 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 you've discovered that you are in a toxic friendship what do you do how do you get out of it you go buy yourself a big milkshake <laughs> <laughs> but Lindsay, i'm lactose oh. intolerant there's pills for that oh well okay <laughs> there's pills for a lactate lot of there uh. is um you know it's really hard. First of all, if you are in a toxic relationship or you've been wondering, gosh, am I, is my friendship really draining me? And is it really as bad as I think? I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. You're facing this right now. I've been there yep. a lot and I will probably be there again. <laughs> yeah, we all will. Um, Hopefully if you don't already, hopefully you have someone you can turn to who is mm -hmm. definitely healthy, a therapist, a family member, even though sometimes they Maybe they're too truthful with you and you don't always want to turn to them because they're a little bit harsh, but maybe right now you can. Um, I know I've had some family members who I've been afraid to tell about certain actions of friends or boyfriends that I didn't really want to break up with. I wanted someone to make me feel good about our friendship or relationship. So I, yeah. does that make sense? Like I didn't want to actually leave. So I wanted people to tell me not to. And then in the end they're like, no, this is the advice I give you. Yeah, no, that was, uh, that was That's literally a, a therapist that I yeah. went to a year before my last relationship ended was just straight up like, Hey, this is sounding really abusive. This is sounding really toxic you should get out. And I was like, what? No, I'm fine. It's fine. It's just a bad, it was just a bad. You should. Yeah, no. Yeah. And, and then, then you, you stop, stop telling them. them. Yeah. So first things That's first, tough, yeah. find yourself an escape plan. Get yourself, get yourself as far away from this toxic person as you can. And I know it'll hurt and you'll feel bad, but you need to really focus on yourself for a little bit because you've been through a relationship that has possibly help probably belittled your self-worth a bit yeah so really again i can't stress enough finding people that are in your life already that you can get advice from who support you and love you and they might not be the most exciting people all the time but those are the people you need right now 
to heal. Mm -hmm. You cannot heal in the friendship. You need to heal separate from them. And you don't have to cut them out totally right away if that sounds too intense for you. But getting some space, sometimes that helps enough to get you strong enough to be like, you know what? I really do need to end this friendship. Or, okay, maybe I was being a little dramatic. Having space from things, taking things slowly, taking a breather, it's a good choice for really anything, any big decision in your life. Yeah, it's perfect. So hopefully, this, uh, if you are going through this situation, obviously, we're sorry, but you're not alone, and you're going to make it through this. We did. Yep. <laughs> we Over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah, and now we've gotten a lot better at it. So uh, yeah. thank you again for listening. This is going to be... One of, uh, one of two episodes that we're going to record this week because follow this upcoming weekend, I am, as I mentioned before, doing the Extra Life Marathon. We are raising money for Children's Hospital Los Angeles. This is going to be our seventh year of playing video games for 25 hours straight. Uh, we've already raised $1,000 and some change, and we are hoping to earn even more. Uh, so if you want to donate links in the show notes, if you want to watch us, there will also be a link, uh, in the show notes, I guess, because it'll be this upcoming Saturday, November 2nd to the 3rd. So exciting. I'm so glad you're doing that, Chris. It's cool. I am going to be dead by November 4th <laughs> when the next episode comes out. So, uh, appropriately enough, that episode will be on ghosting. So, yes. <laughs> Happy Halloween, everyone. I hope you have a marvelous time. Follow us on Instagram at Podcast. Like our Facebook page. Subscribe to the subreddit. If you want to support us directly, visit our Patreon. Or if you want to send us something directly, go ahead and email mailbag at howareyouholdingup.com. We appreciate you. We are thankful for you. And as always, don't, don't tell us to just get, get over it. it.